When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm so bad with money. I'm like the worst person to give advice. Where's sure. all your money allocated percentage-wise? Uh, I'd say like 50% crypto. I made 20, bought the chain, made another 20, bought a cat. That was a bad $20,000 I have two. Why? Because <laughs> you have $40,000 in cats? The Hype House is a net negative. Really? Absolutely. It has lost me so much money. Some of TikTok's biggest stars are now roommates. It's a content house. It'd be like living in a movie set. I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars on that house. Five legal disputes in three years. It has lost me so much money. So you probably heard of Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, Addison Rae, and all the other millionaire TikTok stars that have recently transformed into mainstream celebrities. However, behind all of that attention is someone you might not have heard of, and that would be Thomas Petru. Here's his unbelievable story and how anyone could make millions of dollars online as soon as you subscribe, if you haven't done that already. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having this me. This is cool because I remember just like the come up of like hearing about the Hype House, everything during COVID just like spiked through the roof of like TikTok, social media. You were in it a yeah. whole bunch. And I hear that you were an entrepreneur starting from the age of like 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been, didn't have the greatest upbringing, sorry, um, but I always had, I feel like I'm sure that as entrepreneurs yourselves, you know that it's like a disease that you can't shake. Like I was just that kid in middle school who would just like order stuff on Alibaba and flip it and sell it. And like anything I could do, I sat out front of, um, I used the first way I made money was like, I would work for my grandparents on the weekend because we did farmer's markets. So I'd be in the factory jarring olives. I'd be like knee deep in honey, like jarring it for us on the weekends. And I would make like $30 working for 12 hours for my grandfather. Like it was like terrible, terrible wages. But I didn't know that when you're 12 and you're working in a factory, like you don't really know that. But I'm like forever grateful because he he taught me like hard work and real you're work ethic. Honey? Honey, olives, garlic. Olive you, where are you getting this, the honey? Do you remember from? the honey from sticks? Greece. Yeah, you ever yeah, used to like this, yeah, the honey sticks yeah. at farms? I love those. I love those. Yeah. Uh, but we did, we did uh, garlic, which would have like red bell pepper flakes and like all this stuff. My grandfather would help us make it. But he was from Greece, so he's an immigrant, and he came over here and just, like, they started doing produce at the farmer's markets, and then eventually he started this thing called Petru Foods, which is our hmm. last name. And it, it, it's not around anymore, but when I was a kid, it was the way I first started getting into working and making money. And then I would save up for weeks, and I would go to Foot Lockers, and I would stay up until... Six in the morning before school, and I would be like camping outside of Full Locker. Do you know, did you guys know that people used to do that for sneakers? Mm -mm. So when there would be sneaker drops, like before Goat and all these reseller apps, 
you would go and wait in line. So I'd be like a 13-year-old kid in line with all these 30-year-old dudes camping out for shoes. Yeah, you'd, 6 you'd sleep at the store and you'd wait for it wow. to open first so you could get all the... Is that not dangerous? The, I mean, I'm sure it was, but like I was just hustling. So I would wait. What I'd were get your a, parents thinking of that? Well, <laughs> 13 years, shouldn't you be like in school? At home, school. At school. Yeah, yeah. I will, well, I had a interesting upbringing, um, but my mom and dad separated young. They both made their mistakes. I, I don't really talk about their life story. I just try to talk about their impact on me because I just feel like everyone's story is their own. And when you have a rough upbringing, it's not your place to tell your parents' story. Like sure. that's why I stick by that. Given that, I was a lot closer to my grandparents and like I went back and forth. I lived in like 14 different places before I graduated high school. So like I was, I was very, very independent at a very young age. So I started learning how money worked and how to buy food and groceries and all that type of stuff. And like my mom always had a roof over my head, which I'm forever grateful for, but there was a lot of times where I was alone. So I just had to like make it work regardless. So they, they weren't very hands-on. So like I got myself through school, got myself like everything I did was on my own. So like, that's, that's just like, yeah, that, it was, it was rough, but I try not to talk about the bad parts because sure. I don't want my parents to sound bad. Yeah. I love them. I know they tried their best, but when they separate when you're four and then your mom, my mom had my brother at, I believe 19 or no, my sister at 19, then my brother at 21 and then me at like 24. Mm. So by the time they separated, she was still not even like 30 yet. Like I remember my mom's 30th birthday. So like she had to grow up so quick with kids so young that then when she was older, she wanted to like live her life and same with my dad. And he got remarried and just like life was all over the place. But um, I became very focused on just how can I get to where I want to be? So like every day I went to school, even days where I had to get myself to school it, through. I used to make Uber accounts to get myself to school with my brother. And like when you could remake an email and get a free account and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, but anything to get education so I could get the hell out of there. So that was like my goal. How did you inspire yourself to like care so much because I know so many people if they grow up in a household similar to that they can be become resentful they could become like pessimistic they could just want to like squander their time playing video games and like not doing anything why did you see the silver lining what made you different I don't I don't I think that it's it's honestly crowd and I was very I was a very big loner in school so like I didn't hang out with anybody I didn't have birthday parties I didn't have any like I just stuck to myself and I was just like if I can get myself through this to 18, I'm going to go off to college and I'm going to be rich. Like that was my life. I was like, I'm going to get to school. I picked engineer to go to school for because I was like, engineers make yeah. the most money. So I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I dropped out after a month, but that's okay. <laughs> Made it there. Um, but I was just like, I want to get good grades. I want to be proud of myself. Like I did it all for myself, not for anyone else. And I think that's what I feel like a lot of kids that end up going down the wrong path. It's like they might have other people in their life being like, you need to go to school. You need to do this. That's the only way to live. And then with their upbringing, they're like, well, drugs sound great. Well, this is a lot easier. Well, I'm going to start doing this. And, th and I, I thankfully just kind of, I just kind of had a good head on my shoulders from a very young age. You think age. you were just born that way? Like you, you just always had a natural apprehension towards like those drugs and other ways of I've life? I never, I didn't drink till I was 21. I never have smoked. I've never done any drugs. Like I've smoked cigarettes a couple of times, but like I've never smoked weed. I've never done anything. No, I'm Why cigarettes? It seems Why to be I? an odd, like, be um, like no to alcohol, but that cigarette over there is pretty well, good. I smoked a couple of cigarettes when I was young in that environment and stuff like that. But I was just a very like... I didn't like feeling out of my own body. Sure. Yeah. So like I had a, 
really, really dramatic instance in high school where I had my hand cut in half and you can kind of see like, see. you can see the scars all throughout oh. my finger. So I like lost feeling in most of this hand. What happened? So got sucked into a shop vac in, in uh, shop class. So, you know, like the, you know how machines have little like no nose or little nozzles that can soak up all the sawdust? Yeah. Like suck it all up. The central unit for that was being <coughs> taken apart and these kids turned it on. And my hand was on the table next to it. So it got sucked in because it's like a really strong industrial vacuum. So it just blended my fingers up. It was bad. What, that, what, 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 like, <laughs> what was their reaction when freaked? Everyone freaked out. So I kind of like, an accident. They weren't yeah, trying yeah, to no, no, screw no, with you. Complete accident. Like I never sued the school. Everyone told me to, I never sued anybody. I was just like, I'm going to play it. Good karma. But the surgery ended up being like $160,000 so for that. Thank God. My dad works for the hospital. He's a respiratory therapist. Yeah. So he had insurance. So I just covered all of it, like for for me. One hundred and sixty thousand for a hand surgery. It was wow. bad though. Like I had like seven arteries burst in my hand. I had all the ligaments cut in half. The bones were broken. I had pins all throughout my hand to fix it all. And it was, it's still like you have sensation and everything now. Yeah, it's it's back ish, but I, this is eczema. That's why it looks like that. But I like like this like light touch. I can't feel, but the pinky and the thumb I can. So when I grab something, it's like part of the sensation is not there. So it's, but, it, but thank God I was 17 when it happened. So I had time for it to heal. But the reason I brought that up was because as <clears throat> I remember getting on morphine when, right when they got there, cause it was just crazy incidents. And then they gave me Oxycontin to take home. And when I took, got home that night, like excruciating pain, just had a 12 hour, like I had to wait to eat. And then I had surgery. It was stuck in the hospital, finally get home. And it's like hurting really bad, obviously the next day. Cause I have like metal rods through my hand. Mm -hmm. And I took the Oxycontin and I flushed them down the toilet like 30 minutes later. Like I, I felt it take over my body, like in a way of, I don't know how people choose to do that. Like I obviously I feel bad for anyone out there yeah. who's addicted to opioids, but it's like, oh my God, I could never do that. It like took me out of my own body. And I was like, I don't like this at all. Now I'm curious when, when your hand went through that thing. Yeah. What did it feel like? Honestly, it didn't really hurt until the paramedics got there. It, then it started like hitting in. Like I... So I got sucked in. It was in a flash. And like what's crazy is somehow the machine, these things don't have like safety precautions on them because it's a unit for a central system. Like it, it's like an yeah. AC unit doesn't have, if you stick your hand in it, it's not going to stop. It's not made for that. Where a saw has heat sensors and all those things. But somehow the machine stopped when my hand went in there. It should have just like kept going, which would have been God awful. But thank goodness. It's just like right when my hand hit, it stopped, went to the bathroom and I put my hand under the sink to like wash it off to see how bad because I, I knew it yeah. hurt, but I was like holding it and I was, was like, it I, bleeding and everything. Oh, oh, like squirt, like everywhere, like a horror scene. Yeah. Like, oh my. Yeah. And you went to the bathroom just by yourself. Yeah. I just went to the bathroom to be like, what happened? What am I going to do? And I put my hand under the sink and I saw all my fingers like wiggle sideways when I put water on it. Oh, yeah. It was awful. No. And I, I was like, oh, shit. and I, I was losing so much blood. Um, I, I was kind of freaking out and then I passed out on the floor cause I was just like, but in, before I did, I wrapped each finger in like the, you know, those brown paper towels, like yeah, yeah. ones at every school. I like wrapped it as many as I could and I was held it and I fell asleep. And then 30 minutes later, the paramedics got there, like shot me up with morphine, unpeeled it as it like opened up all of that. And they were like, thank God you wrapped it 
because you would have most likely lost your fingers because you kept that pressure on the entire time. And like, thank goodness it didn't go through completely. So it was just like, they just had to fix the bones and then do a whole surgery. Yeah, it was rough. Someone followed you into the bathroom afterwards. Yeah, my teacher came in kind of like panicking at the time. Just immediately called Yeah, they called called 911 immediately. Um, But yeah, it was, it sucked. A lot of people that I saw that were older that had never drank, had never smoked, had never done any of that stuff. They kind of had a stick up there. Like they were very like, I'm better than you because I don't do those things. So when I turned 21, I was like, I'm going to get drunk. Like what, what I can't let this control me, this fear of becoming an alcoholic and not being a good dad one day or being a good parent. Like I was like, I'm not going to let that affect my life to the point where I'm never going to do anything. So I drank a couple times here and there after that, but I was just like, I don't want, I don't want to drugs and like those things that control me and how was it your first time drinking it was fun it was fun i was with good people having a good time so like i think that there's a lot of problems with alcohol in this country but that's just my personal opinion i I think people get very addicted to it and it ruins lives and makes people violent i agree it's totally destigmatized like there's no real like oh my god this guy drinks but there can be with like cigarettes and weed and other stuff like that but alcohol could be just as if not more destructive oh 100 i think i i don't I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure there was a clip that I saw of Joe Rogan talking with someone about this <clears throat> he was, or maybe uh, Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson. Was it? Yeah. yeah where he's saying how it's the only drug that inherently makes people violent. Yeah. It's Jordan like, Peterson. No, yeah. No yeah. one's going to go rob a bank when they're high. Like it's just like, but weed has such a stigma and keep in mind, I don't smoke. I don't, I don't smoke weed. I never have, but it's just like, I've been around people who smoke that are chill and like way lay down, watch a movie, relax. And then I've seen people with alcohol in their system try to beat the shit out of whoever they see. And you're just like, which you know one of these is truly... He also mentioned something about people being killed or murdered. Oh, yeah. 50% like, of yeah. all murderers and 50% of all people who murder are drunk. Drunk. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? And you're like, interesting. But that is interesting. I always thought like if you're going to pick between one of the two casually, I think it's better probably to be a casual drinker than it is casual like a weed smoker. But if you're choosing like something that you're doing on the daily, like whether that be like, you know, to wake up or like to go to bed or something like that, I think it's way better to like smoke weed. Ca- like, oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're doing yeah. It, like on a daily on a, basis yeah. than it is to be drinking every day. I think oh, that's yeah, like a glass dangerous. of wine at dinner is exactly. a lot. It's pretty yeah, yeah. Or a beer like with your dinner is totally and fine. And also I think with weed, a lot of people forget and they don't they don't want to acknowledge <laughs> the fact of when you're young it has a lot harsher of an effect. Like mm. you can lose IQ points over time from smoking so much weed when you're 13 to 18. It's like the kids don't really talk about that because they just want to like get high and have fun. But it's like yeah. there are cognitive things that happen from smoking too much at a young age. So it's like, wait till you're older. Like if you're going to experiment with that stuff, but uh, it's just never been my thing. I've always just been very like, I want to get to work, make as much money as possible provide a good life for my kids when I have them and all that stuff. So I've just never seen the point in any of that. But first, before we go into that, we want to say a huge thank you to our sponsor, StreamYard. So we just bought three new Sony FX3 cameras. I don't know if you guys can tell like a difference in the quality, but it's extremely expensive. This entire set, I don't even want to think about how much it costs. Thankfully though, if you want to get started producing high quality content, you don't have to do it with spending a lot of money. In the very beginning, we spent nothing and StreamYard is one of the perfect ways that you could get started. StreamYard is a live streaming software that lets you create high quality content with just the click of a button. All you need is a camera and an internet connection to start streaming right from your browser. Another thing about StreamYard is they actually offer multi-streaming, which basically means that you can stream on every single platform all at the same time, which is amazing because it basically increases your reach at the cost of nothing. Honestly, they're one of the best ways that you could begin creating content without spending any money whatsoever and just getting started today for free. Because if you don't start 
you're never going to do it. You keep putting it off. You may as well begin today. So again, check out StreamYard down below in the description. They have been a fantastic sponsor of ours, and we've used their product for years. We'd be talking about them regardless of whether or not they sponsored a video because they're that good. So enjoy. And now let's get back to the video. So why'd you drop out of college? I started YouTube when I was 16, made a couple of vlogs here and there. Casey Neistat at the time was like the biggest YouTuber. And I looked up to him and what he did. And I was like, I'm going to start daily vlogging. So I was 17 and it was like December 31st, 2016, like going to 2017 was the first daily vlog I posted. And I kept up with it for we started three, around the same time. Really? Yep. And I started for, th well, I did it for three years and like two months, every single day I uploaded. And so during that time, I like was getting all my college acceptances. They're all still up? No, no, I privated all Why? of them. Yeah. Come on, man. Dude, that's the type of stuff that's like, Don't that do proves that. like, oh, I'm a grinder. Like I work yeah, hard. I have Why take them down? I, well, I had, a, I had a previous relationship that I was in through all of high school and like, she was in a lot of that content and I don't think you just blur her out. No, no, <laughs> I just so like, funny. I just felt like that was a different chapter of my life <clears throat> that I didn't really want people going back to and watching like me at 16 all the way to, I kind of did it for myself. Like I just wanted to prove that I could work hard enough to get that done. I thought it was going to end up blowing up because daily vlogging was the thing at the time, but I never, it never like made it. And I didn't look back at the content like, wow, every vlog was entertaining. It was like most of it was very boring. I was just trying to do something. Sure. So it was just hard work, but that was the example of like hard work versus smart work. Like it didn't, it, it helped me obviously in the big picture, but like I didn't make any money doing it. I didn't like get success doing it. But what it did is help give me opportunity throughout time because I got respect from other people who were successful YouTubers. Um, but I was documenting applying to colleges and I documented when I got in. I got into NYU. It was the, I applied to 17 schools. I had a 4.1 or 4.2 GPA, had a great ACT score, great SAT score. And I only got into one out of 17 schools I applied to. And it was my dream school, which was NYU. And so I got up, moved to New York. I started the summer program early. I was just like ready to get out of San Diego. And I left and after two weeks, I knew it wasn't for me. Everyone told me that college was gonna be this experience that was gonna be very different, like from high school, that everything was gonna be more fun and the learning was gonna be more hands-on. But, and I got there and I was just like handed another textbook and I was just like, I, this isn't helping my life. Like personally, like I'm all for college if it's what you want to do. And if you have, if you want to be an engineer, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, go to school. For me, I was just like, I didn't even know what it meant to be an entrepreneur because I was 17 in college, but it was like, that's what I wanted to do. I, I just wanted yeah. to go start something new. So I thought of engineer, they make good money and they're creative. Like that was my first thought. And that's not really what you get in engineering school. Like you're doing a lot of math. And I was just like, look, I love math and this is great, but I'm not going to graduate from college in four years with $240,000 in debt and then work my way off to hopefully pay off my loans by the time I'm 40 doing a job that I don't even know if I'm going to like yet. So I was just like, I'm out. I'm moving to LA. So that's what I did. So you moved to LA and, and did your YouTube channel at the time have any traction? No. No well, traction? How do you, no. How do, how do you financially move to Los Angeles? My cousin lived in LA. So he went to UCLA. And so I moved back to San Diego for like a month and then I moved to LA and I just packed up a bag, everything I brought to New York, I just brought with me to LA and I stayed on his couch in his apartment and it was a three bedroom apartment and there was already three guys living in it. And I just like lived in the couch in the living room and paid a couple hundred dollars in rent. 
And then I was just like, well, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. So I started doing Postmates and DoorDash and all that stuff on top of daily vlogging every single day. So I was just like, this is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the American dream happen. Like every kid wanted to be a YouTuber at that time. And so I just kept grinding at it day in and day out. And I lived there for two and a half years worth almost three years before it even took off. And so I, by the time about a year and a half into it, I met Jake Paul at a camera shop and this was right when he started vlogging. So he was just, this was before his major blow up. And I remembered him from Vine and like, I just went up yeah. and shot my shot and talked to him. And he ended up following me on Twitter. And then he invited me over to the house into the, that was the team 10 house at the time. And then I kind of, we just started hitting it off and we were on and off friends. He was a really cool dude to me. What do you say to Jake Paul when you see him at a camera shop? Like, how do you stand out at that point? I actually fucked up and I said, uh, Logan. No. And, I, and, dude. He, and he was like, it's Jake. And I had felt so bad, but I had seen them on Vine <laughs> from like years before and they were, you know, he was crushing it, but I, yeah, that was the first thing I said, like an idiot, but he was really cool. And I have nothing but good things to say about him. He was like an, a good mentor for me at that time. How do you, but how do you get, like, what do you say to get him to follow you on Twitter? Like, how do you recover He's, from that? So I had taken my friend to the camera shop, Sammy's camera. Um, he's a videographer and he needed, I forgot what he needed, he needed a new lens or something for a shoot and his car was broken down. So he asked me to take him and then I see Jake Paul in the lobby and I was like, oh shit, like in the center room. Yeah. And I was like, man, congrats on like everything you've done. Like seeing you on Vine. And he was like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I took my roommate here, but I'm a daily vlogger. And he was like, oh, no way. I'm on day 50. And he was like, what have you got you? And I was like, oh, I'm on day like 530. And he was like, what? So it paid off. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, why are you, like, how many subs do you have? I was like, like 10,000. He was like, shut the f*** up. Like, no way. This kid is working for yeah. a year and a half every day with nothing. And so he invited me over and like a couple videos blew up, but I, I never passed like, I think I had like 70,000 subscribers or something like that at that time. Um, but he, he definitely helped and he was in a lot of content with me and he was super cool. And I would sit down with him and like, We'd talk about what vlog he was going to film, and he was a really cool dude. Yeah. Um, but I would try to give, like, creative ideas if I had any, and he would help me in my content. And we were just friends, and he, he was really cool. I was yeah. never in Team 10. A lot of people thought I was, but I was just kind of, like, in and around, and I saw the success that he had made through creating a content house, and I just thought it was yeah. a great concept. Like, he took all these viners, put them together. It seemed so simple in theory, but then I saw all the complications that came with that. He did more of a business structure. Like I, I know that he like signed people and helped blow them up and yeah. got a percentage and all that. And so I just kind of adopted that mentality when I started Hype House. I was like, this clearly works. Like if you can take a bunch of people that are blowing up on social media and put them in one central space, it is going to work without a doubt. Like you, you could do it any day, anytime. Anyone could do it in every community right now. You could take the gym community, take 10 of those guys, put them in a house together. You're going to have the most entertaining content ever. It's if the people can continue that for a long period that's the challenge. But I was like, I know it'll work. And then later it was, it ended up being like a year and a half later. I don't think team 10 was a thing anymore. Um, and it was 2019 mm -hmm. TikTok had purchased musically and I saw these TikTokers blowing up and I was like, people are really overlooking this app. Like I was like, I know I it. did. Yeah. Most I people did. did. My cousin kept telling me like, you got to get on this app. Like I'm telling you, like at that time, like I was 21 or 20 and he was just like, you got that look still. You look like just get on there and do the trends. And I was like, I don't want to do the trends. Like I want to be a YouTuber like Casey Neistat and like these people. I want to be looked at, respected. And 
I ended up downloading it and I was like, whatever. And then I ended up messaging a couple people and I was like, this, this would be such a good idea if we all moved in together. And that's kind of like how the idea of it started brewing. But I had had it since team 10. I was like, I want to create a content house. I like just wanted to live with a bunch of my friends and make cool content and all that. That was a dream I had since I met Jake because I just saw the environment was so good. Yeah. And what were you doing in the meantime to sustain yourself? Postmates. That I was did. what you were doing? That was all I did. Even, but I mean, it worked. Like I knew yeah. people that were at this time in 2019, like I knew so many people that had office jobs that were making three grand a month, 3,600 to four grand a month. And I was making like four to five doing Postmates eight hours a day. Like I was like, am That's I really good money? Yeah, it was good. And I was just like, am, am I crazy? Or like, I'm making more than you are. And I don't want to sit in a cubicle all day. Like I get to go on my phone and like call whoever I want while I'm driving around LA. Like, yeah, it sucked, but it was like not bad money for, for being at no college and you did it for degree. years, years, like two, two years. And when did you stop the daily vlogging? I stopped it in right before hype house. So 20, 2019, like, uh, end of 2019, I would say. So what did you see in TikTok? I overlooked it. When I first, I downloaded it 2019, yeah. early 2019. And I was just like young girls lip syncing and dancing. And I'm like, what? this is not an app that like I could create content for. I think what it was is that I saw Musical.ly. Musical.ly was like a little blip that everyone kind of like overlooked. But those creators on Musical.ly got so, so big, so fast, but they got no or like little mainstream recognition. Like, I don't know if you remember all the musically people, all the musers, but I'm sure you remember musers. a lot of the TikTokers. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm sure that most people out there, if you have a phone and like watch up, you know who like Charlie and Dixie and Addison and these big names or Hype House, like you know who they are from TikTok. But if you look at musically, they never really scratch that surface to like real celebrity. Like, and I know that people get upset with that, but like, there's a lot of the TikTokers that made it to that threshold, even if they aren't there now, like yeah. they were celebrities and some are still there, like Charlie and Dixie and them, like they're still celebrities. I know that they're not as famous as like the Kardashians or whatever, maybe, but they're very successful and people recognize them as that. TikTok, I saw as the, after they purchased it, I was like, more. I just had a feeling more people were going to get on it. Like I, I felt like more people were going to pay attention. And so once <laughs> I met a couple other people like on TikTok and met Chase and Alex and all these people. I was like, if we all get together and we all move into the same house, it'll probably do very well. And like, we knew, we didn't know we were going to make a page for it and all that. Like we knew we were going to have a content house and call it something, but I, we didn't have like a set plan and there was no business model. There was no nothing. I was just like, let's just all move in together. Let's all pay rent. Like, trust me, this is going to work. And they were all down. And so we all moved in together. I got this house in like two weeks. We got a rental house, like put the deposit down. And then we ended up, it, it just, it ended up taking off so quickly <clears throat> once we made that page, the hype house. Like once yeah. we were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We posted on, it just went viral like overnight. It was, now, my understanding, you found a lot of these people like really, really, really early. Like, yeah. When did you find Charlie D'Amelio? Well, I didn't really find her. Like I met her through chase mm -hmm. and chase was like we kind of just mingled with them at we were at an airbnb before hype house and we were just all hanging out and we were like had this idea of moving in with our friends and all that and that's when we first met them and they were just they were just really cool people like it, there was no like talent scouting like it, that's not how it was in the beginning it was like oh these people are my friends and they do the same thing <clears throat> so why don't we all get together and work together that was kind of the concept behind it. Yeah. And like, how were you with them though? Were you popping off on TikTok at the time? No, I was more of, hey, I've seen all the things that have gone wrong with management and all this stuff through musically people that I knew, through YouTubers that I knew. 
people were very, very taken advantage of out in LA, like especially by managers and agents. And I'm sure you guys know that, but a lot of people are very, very bad towards these people. And I was just like, Hey, I know the rates. I know all this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to manage you. I'm not going to take any of your money. I don't want to be an agent to you, but I will help you reply to these emails, help you close these deals just for you. Like I'm not making anything off of it, but I don't want to see you get robbed by your management. And it's like, I knew so many people even through hype house that had bad agents, bad managers, all that stuff. And so I was just kind of like, Hey, I have this idea for the house and let's do this and let's all get together and make it happen. And I'll advise with all these things that I had learned over the years. But how did you even get your foot in the door if you weren't popular? Well, I, I had a following from so enough to be able to DM. Yeah. Them and like I had like, get back I had like 80,000 on Instagram and like a hundred thousand on YouTube. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like big, but these TikTokers at the time, like only had a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Like they were popping, but not like what happened in 2019 to 2020. Then mm-hmm. maybe like everyone catapulted. Um, but that's kind of how it started. It was just mostly through networking. And I'd also been doing photography, videography. So I'd linked up with a couple people to shoot for them and stuff like that. That's how so it all what started. was the initial goal of the hype house? Like, what was just, your objection? Just, hey, let's all move in together. Let's all make content together. Let's all help each other out. That was the whole concept behind it. And I was like, I saw what hadn't worked for Team 10 in the past, which was I figured, hey, if we don't sign anyone, if we don't take any money from anybody, no contracts, you can leave whenever you want. It'll be a lot more genuine. And then if people end up leaving, we'll just have a revolving door of talent. So that's kind of like the concept was. It was just, hey, let's make a group account and let's all post on it. And that first place you got, was yeah. it a super nice spot or where um, was it? Was it here in LA? It was in Encino. And it was, it was a good house there. It had some issues, but we weren't really, it wasn't like a fancy place, but it was the big like entryway was very noticeable. And so when we first moved in there, we started having a bunch of people over that at the time, like everyone was starting to move to LA for TikTok because all these TikTokers were blowing up and they were making money and they were like, well, we got to move to LA and do this. That was just kind of part of it. So they all came over to our house and we would all film in the same bathroom. And then at that time, TikTok's algorithm was very location-based. So if you set your phone up in our bathroom, it got millions of views. Like it was without a question. Yeah, it wasn't because TikTok then was all based on faces and location. Like you could tell the algorithm worked that way. So if you, if anyone had come to our house, we had people come that had a hundred followers that would put their phone up and that video went viral every time. So we were just like, clearly when this background (laughs) of this bathroom hits the for you page, it go, it does well. So everyone wanted to come over because all the content was being seen by everyone else in the space. And that's kind of like how it started. That was before Hype House even existed. It was just. I think I remember the bathroom. It was called the TikTok bathroom. That's what people said. Good lighting though, right? Good lighting. And like all of us were just filming the same spot. So that's kind of how it all just like started. How did you afford that place? If there was so many of us living there. Oh, it was not. So what was the rent? How many people were, were there? So it was room size, but the average room had like two people in it. And it was like 1500 per room because it was like seven bedrooms. So it was a big house, but it was... But how do you even convince the landlord at that point to like move in that many people? That's a good question. Um, I don't even know how it happened. It happened so fast. The minute... <laughs> the minute the landlord had no any idea. Any dude would see like, yeah, all right, we're going like, to have no, 15 no. kids like moving yeah. into the house. Yeah, I think... Well, we sat down with the landlord and we explained what we, explained what we were going to do, but we didn't think it was going to blow up like the way it did. Like we were... All of us were small-ish and making enough money to afford the rent between all of us. But it wasn't like we we didn't expect it to go so big and then have like the New York Times come shoot it and like all this stuff. Like we just didn't expect that. We just thought we were going to be friends living together. Um, but I remember we talked to Landlord. We told him what we were going to do. 
But we told him, like, we're not going to damage the house. We're not going to do anything crazy, all that type of stuff. And he he just rented it to us. We got lucky. <laughs> and did you end wow. up damaging the house or was it like? There was definitely a couple things that were broken, but the security deposit was like 20 grand. And he ended up taking that when we left. But there was a whole situation with that. Um, but we left that least early. Which I remember was the a Team mistake. 10 house. Wasn't that trash? I got, yeah, I, apparently they, they did a lot. But I thought that they fixed most of it. I don't know. I'm sure that they had to pay some damages for that. It was crazy. I drove by the uh, that house. And yeah, I yeah. remember like so many people always just hanging in out front. in front of it. The tree was just vandalized. Oh, I'm sure. Because people would come up with knives and just draw yeah. into the tree. It's crazy. So. Well, our second house was the worst. Like the first house had a gate and then it was up a driveway. Yeah. So even when we started popping like and started blowing up and all that, we would have like a couple people drive up and like find their way in through the code and like a couple of people would like walk up the driveway or like push the gate apart and get up there. But it was trespassing. So it was like a lot less people are going to do that than when you're on the street. At the second house, we're on the street and there was at least 40, 50 people there every single day. Which house was that? On Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. That house was insane. Yeah. So what would you do but if that was the trust- former phase house, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, so, it was that house? Yeah. yeah so huge one, the glass one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. basically what happened is six months into hype house or even less i'd say three to four months into hype house people were growing rapidly everyone was doing really well everything was great covid hits well covid had been there but like covid lockdown hits so everyone had to go home so most of the people that were in the house like we had the people who lived there but the people that were a part of it that didn't live in the house they all had to go home like we weren't allowed to you couldn't hang out with people obviously it was a health risk like you couldn't go a block away and go hang out with your friends. Like every, it was very, very frowned upon. Like do not be around anyone if you don't have to. So in you guys had rules in the hype house of like, yo, you're not going out and like, no, no, it wasn't really rules. We all just kind of like came together and we we're like, Hey, it's locked down. Like we shouldn't go anywhere. We shouldn't have anyone over. So that's going to affect people. But I'm talking about the people that were traveling that yeah, lived yeah. in other States. Like they went home there. They were like, we're not staying in LA and like getting a hotel or an Airbnb yeah. to be locked up in it. Like, I'm just going to go home. So at that time I was like, well, it's either just like shut it down after three or four months or I got to figure something out. And so we were like, okay, well, if we move to a bigger house, even though it's during COVID, if we live with 25 people, people can't really say like that because the whole, we were like, you have to social distance. And we were like, well, what if we all live in the exact same house? Then it's like, if you live with your family, no one cares. If you live with your friends, no one cares. If you had roommate, like that wasn't really a big deal. So we ended up getting the next house and we lived with, I think 22 people or 20 people. It was crazy. And so that was when I was like, I'm going to add more people, different people and just see if it works. Like if I add a bunch of new people and everyone hates it, like whatever it is, what it is. But that's when we blew up the most was at that second house after like adding eight other TikTokers from other, like we had so many people a part of it. It just kept going and going and going. And then all the attention kept getting put on us. So I was like, well, we're entertaining people during COVID. You broke that lease early of that first place. Yeah. How do you make that financial jump between that first place and that oh second my, place? It was yeah, the so second place, expensive. how much was that? Like 50 so grand expensive. a month? Yeah. I can't go into too much detail on that house mm-hmm. um, just because there's a pending situation with it that I can't really talk about. But what I can say is that I <laughs> lost hundreds of thousands of dollars on that house. Hundreds that I have spent. On that place. The place was $50,000 a month almost. It was like $45,000 a month. And I put a $90,000 security deposit. That's gone. Yeah. Then I paid 
over a hundred thousand dollars after that and the entire rent during that time. So like we, I think we split it for the first few months and then for the last couple months I paid it. How and are it you was, paying $45,000 a month rent? We were making good money. Like my, my YouTube videos were doing three to 5 million per post three times a week. Like they were, we were crushing and like brand deals were flowing in for everybody. Everyone was making good money. Because that was that we were all so big at that time. Everything, every post got millions of views, no matter what we did. So it wasn't even bothering you to be fronting that forty five. No, no, it was bothering me. It was just, <laughs> um, it was just, got hey, it. we yeah, yeah. we all signed a lease, so like we gotta live up to it. And then that situation got even worse. Like, uh, yeah, both places we broke early. The first place, it's not worth getting into, but there was a couple things wrong with the actual house, which is why we left. And then it was getting to a safety hazard with people coming in and breaking in. So that's why we left the first one. So we had a girl break in and like vandalize the place even after after we moved out. Mm. Like because that was when we started like actually growing significantly. And then the second house just like that was a show. But yeah, that that place has lost me a ton of money. Big big regret. Not but also made houses. you a lot of money. It did, and it made everyone else a lot of money being in and around that time. But I was so glad that I bought my next house because yeah. I was just like I don't want to be sued by another landlord or deal with any <laughs> like that. So I was like, I'll never rent a place ever again in my Gosh. life. When you're talking about a video getting like three to five million views, what's the ad revenue or something like that? If my CPM wasn't great at yeah. first because I, I was doing five minute videos. Eventually I worked it up to eight minutes and so I could do the mid rolls during it. But I, I, it was doing good. I'd say like each post was like 20 grand. No way. Yeah, they, it got up there and they were doing, yeah, they were doing Whoa. well. Yeah, so That's, everyone. And that was good. your own personal channel. That was my personal channel. Hype House we didn't post on. And it was just too complicated with like members coming in, members coming yeah. out. I didn't want the drama associated with it. So we just kind of like took a break from it and just stuck to TikTok. But yeah, no, it was good, good money. And I was just grinding that all day. I was doing YouTube every second I was awake. And it's funny because so many people thought they were like, dude, this guy's making bank off of all these people in Hype House. I was like, actually, I don't sign anyone. No one's made me a dollar off of this thing. Why like, not? Because that they were equally a part of it as yeah. much as I was. And they were putting, in the beginning, everyone was putting equal like effort into this thing. Like we were all passionate about it. Everyone was happy. It wasn't like a, I'm making Hype House to make money. Like it was like, hey, this is supposed to be a collective thing that everyone's a part of. And so I was just like, I'm not taking a percentage of anyone. It just felt wrong. I still don't like the concept of it. I don't like when people do it now. It's like, to me, I, I get it in some situations, like when rappers, if Drake signs you, you're gonna make a shit ton of money. So it's like, it makes sense for him to like co-sign an artist. TikTokers, YouTubers, it's just like, so many people have tried it, it never works out well. So I was just like, that's not where I wanna do. Like, I wanna help these people as much as I can. And I want to give them an environment to thrive and work off of each other and all that. And I don't mind, but I'm going to work on my own thing too. And so that was my benefit. And it. it was like this whole thing helped my career immensely. And like, I'm forever grateful for everyone who has been a part of it, who's a part of it currently. Like they, these people have helped change my life and I've hoped that I've helped change theirs. But I was just like, I don't, I don't want to get into the management business. They like that. That just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a creator. Yeah. And so I was, grinding on YouTube every day, but I didn't make any money through Hype House. Hype House has lost me so much money. Like it is just, yeah, it, oh, the, the it has to be a net positive though. No, no, no. Hype House is a net negative. Really? Absolutely. Why? <laughs> absolutely. It's like a resounding no. It's yeah, no, close. no, absolutely. It has lost me so much money. I have been through five legal disputes in three years where I did nothing wrong. And most of them <clears> have just been dealt with immediately but like no like i've been it has caused me a lot more harm than good 
outside of the like first year. Like it, it, it no, yeah, it's it, oh, cheese. Okay. But I got but it wrong. Yeah. I'm proud that I have helped a lot of people in my eyes, and like I, I'm just glad that we made such a big impact in that time. But yeah, no, and I'm I'm grateful for the experience and grateful for everything because I think everything's a learning lesson in yeah. life. But no, yeah, net hype house, no net negative. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> lost me a lot of money. I was like, yeah, okay, no, yeah. overall it's good no, though. No, no, but that's Jeez. okay. That's I feel like that's yeah. life though, because not every business you create, right, it's gonna be profitable. What a lesson to get out of the way early though. Yeah, five Thank lawsuits. God. Yeah, is insane. Yeah, no lawsuits are not fun. I wish that I could share details on them, but. You can't, as I'm sure many people out there know. It's just not, it's also not the right thing to do in those situations. Like, you don't go out and spill all the details of who sued for what and this and that. But, like, these lawsuits, by the way, were not with like people in the house. Like, these are like things from outside, like people I've never met, things that I like, just like people, very frivolous lawsuits that I've gotten dealt with. But yeah, it was, it's been a bunch of shit shows. But yeah, that's part of running a business. That's what, that's what all <laughs> attorneys always say that they say it's the cost of doing business, which I get. But like the mental wear down that those have had on me, like I've been suicidal multiple times over the last couple of years and I don't mind talking about it, but yeah. like that destroyed my mental health more than anything. In, in what way? Well, when you're accused of something yeah. that you didn't do and you're fighting it with full force and you know that even when you win, you still lose because you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal bills. You don't get a dollar back even when you win. And then you just don't want to like spend your life counter suing and suing people who have wronged you and all that's just like not the way I want to live my life. But when you're getting like pushed down everything on you and I had my childhood and like don't have close family in my life and like very deal with a lot of issues personally already like that stuff just makes it like so much worse. And like money is money is great. And I am so, so grateful for my position. I'm so grateful. I'll, I would pick rich over broke any day and I've been both. But Money doesn't fix your mental health and it doesn't help you with relationships and it doesn't help. It actually makes a lot of things worse. And I'm sure that you guys have dealt with that. People coming back in your life that want something or people that you just meet, you never know what their true intentions are. And it's in LA, people view clout as a currency even more than money, which is very, very strange. But like, you don't even know when anyone's being genuine to you half the time. And like, I'm sure that you, I don't know if you guys have dealt with that. I haven't. You haven't? I'm so cheap. I don't, don't spend money though. That's, a, that's the thing. Like people know what they're getting into yeah. with me. Well, but I mean, but also like fame and stuff like that alters people. Like I had people text me from high school that I haven't talked to in six years that are just like, could you send me some money for this? And I'm like, what? Like, I haven't talked to you at all. Why the fuck would I send you money? Like, I don't How know. How much are they you. asking for? It? Just like, hey, could you help me buy this? I'm, I'm down bad. I'm, dr I'm like addicted to this and this. And I'm like, where is this my problem? Like, we aren't friends. You're an old person I knew in high school. You weren't even a friend in high school. Like, what? I, people are crazy. And then like family issues and all that stuff. It's like it, money, money complicates everything. But it also is a beautiful thing that gives you freedom. So it's like you, you, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. But some of my best, best memories in life were when I was broke, for sure. Like, I think that's just what people don't really understand about money is like, yes, it's great. And it's so hard because I said the same thing that I'm sure the people watching this podcast are thinking, which is if I had this, all my problems would go away. No, you, they wouldn't. And by the time you get to those problems, those problems are bigger than anything you've ever faced. So it's like, for example, if you have a lawsuit that costs you $500,000 to get through, you will never, ever, ever get that when you're broke because they're not going to get anything. So no one's ever going to sue you. No one's ever going to do that because you don't have anything to lose. So it's like when you're broke, 
you really only have up to go like outside of your health, like take care of your health and all that. But financial wise, like that's all you really have to worry about where once you have money, it's like people trying to bring you down. Yeah. You got to maintain that lifestyle. If you bring that up, you got, there's a lot of complications that come in with that and the relationships with people. You have to make sure you're having the right circle around you and good friends mm-hmm. and good family and all that gets a lot more complicated once you reach success, yeah. whatever that means to you. Every time we have this discussion on the podcast, I check the comments yeah, and everyone's of like, of course, it's just once again, three dudes talking about yeah. like how money doesn't <laughs> like make you happy or whatever. Well, but in the same way that you've experienced like pure bliss and happiness and some of the best moments in your life when you didn't have money, same thing for me. Like yeah. some of the happiest parts of my life were when I was in high school, I had no money, no job, couldn't get a job. And uh, I was running cross country, just hanging out with my but friends. But you don't all realize time. that's the good time until you look back at exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes you realize, hey, now could be a good now time. Is the, yeah. Now is the good you time. You know what I mean? Who knows? Well, and everything, I hate nostalgia. I'm a very, I, which sounds weird, but like I'm not a nostalgic person at all. I don't think back on a time of like oh, the good old days. I think you're always living them. And if you stop and look around a little bit, you'll realize that everyone's going to remember this year. Everyone says like, oh, 2023 sucks. Mm-hmm. But then in 2026, they're going to be like, God, I missed 2023. And you're just like, you don't realize it, but everyone's like, oh, 2019. Do you know how many posts I see now where people are like, 2020 was the best year. And I'm like, you were locked inside. Yeah. Was it really the best yeah. year? Or are you just being nostalgic because it's been three years? It's like, it'll always go through those. 2020 little- was the best That's year. That's a trend yeah. I it's, hate yeah. is when people are like, 2020 was a rough year. 2021 was a rough year. And they always reflect at the end of the year. I I hate that trend. It makes no sense to me. But I also get for people, there are a lot of, there is situations where finances, like your financial situation could make a lot of your problems go away, which Mm -hmm. I totally understand. Freedoms. There's a lot of freedoms that come with making money. But honestly, like I think after maybe with inflation now, I I always used to say 10,000 a month, Mm -hmm. anything more than that is like very, just frivolous. Like you could live a very good life with $10,000 a month. Now with inflation, that's probably, if you live in LA, probably closer to 15 to 20. Um, if you live anywhere else outside of major cities, 10 grand a month is still like, you could do pretty much, you could get a really cool car. You could get a nice house. You could do a lot of things with 10 grand a month, but LA it's things are expensive here. Anything past like, I'd say 15,000 a month. Life doesn't really change. The toys get bigger or cooler but it doesn't really change your life. Like the stress levels don't really change unless you put them up to that level. Then you got to like, you live in the same spot as if you bring your bills up to 10,000 a month, then you're going to feel just like you did when you made four grand a month. Like it's not going to change anything for you because you're putting the same stress into it that you would if you didn't have as much money. So what do you spend money on? Cars. Like what? Um, I have seven cars. I don't know why. Uh, but I love List cars. Them. What was the uh, first first like nice car you bought? I bought Tanner Fox's old GT3 S. <gasps> you did? I still have it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but before that, I bought a Tesla Model 3. So I had a Mazda 3 all of high school. All th- that That's car saved my life. That was Postmates. Then um, I got a Model 3, and that was like my first. I'm so bad with money. I'm like the worst person to give advice. I don't, I, you know, I'm good with investments and like building up a portfolio and all this type of stuff. And I make smart choices. Like I bought real estate during COVID when everyone said don't buy real estate and now my house has gone up 40% in a couple years. So it's like, I'd make good choices like that, but I'm just very like, I was just a broke dumb kid with money. Like I know that that people don't understand you can be rich or be broke, like mentality wise. Like even if you make a lot of money, you can still be broke cause you're dumb. So it's like my first 20 grand, I bought a chain. I bought, I spent 17,000 out of my $20,000 in my bank Why? account on a necklace. Why? 
Don't I, call it a necklace. I, chain. It was a chain. It was a, yeah, it was a nice chain and I was so hyped on it, but I always wanted one. So I bought it and I had 20 grand in my bank account. I spent 17 on it. How'd that make you feel though? Like once you great. look at it and you're like, great. Yeah, that was that, three. Yeah. It was just like, I'm going to make more. Have to. How did you make that 20 grand? Um, was it like a YouTube video that popped off? No, no, this deal? was pre YouTube. I think it was, we had a lot of sound promos back in the day. Mm. So like everyone else was very focused on like, I got to keep my feed <laughs> good with trends. And I was like, I got to make as much bread as possible during this time because this stuff doesn't last forever, which is very true. But I took everything. So it'd be like a sound promo a day for three, five grand. And I was like, I'll do this every day. And everyone was like, you can't do them every day. Like your feed won't be as good. I was like, yeah. I don't give a shit about my feed. That's 150 grand a month. If I take a $5,000 sound promo every day, like why Who's would I not do that? The sound promos, just them saying user sound. Yeah, yeah. Know. Or like, or brand deals that came yeah. in and all that stuff. But I, I made 20, bought the chain, made another 20, bought a cat. A cat? A cat. That was a bad choice. $20,000 cat? I have two. Why? Because <laughs> you have $40,000 in cats? I think it was like, it was like 36. You're laughing. It's not yeah. funny. Why? <laughs> what type of cat is this? Uh, Savannah cat. I have two of them. They're big. They're like 20 pounds. Dude. I always wanted them. Um, I, Aren't I, those the ones, don't they get kind of like aggressive? A or? little bit. But they're, they're mine are like <laughs> super sweet and well-trained. Um, but yeah, they were, I know people would be pissed because I bought cats. But um, yeah, it's, I, it was just like, do you ever see Archer? No. The show? All right. Well, on Archer, there's an ocelot. And it's an exotic animal you can't own. And I always wanted one. And this was the closest you could get. So I bought one. And then he was lonely. So I bought another one. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so bad choices. It's even what about the Tesla? Like what about the next 20 grand though? Tesla. Okay. And the next down, 20 grand. And that was just down. And then I was like, I got to make this payment. And then once I paid off the Tesla, I put it down on the GT3 RS. And then I just had to pay that off. So it's like, I, you, I didn't come from like, no one was there advising me where to put money. No one was there. Like, I feel like I'm, I was very financially similar to a lot of like athletes that come into money or a lot of boxers, like, you know, like any, anyone that comes from nothing and just like, doesn't know what they're doing. It doesn't have guidance from parents or anyone else around them. So it's like, as that money just floated and I was like, I'll just burn through it. Who cares? And then you get hit with taxes. What about all like, the cars? Oh, shit. Well, the cars are a different business for me now, but I, I just love cars. Like I, after the GT3 S, I got addicted. I bought a bunch, um, and now I have seven. But I have a GT3 S of Tanner's old one. Mm -hmm. I have a BMW M3, a 2023. That's like the daily. Good car. I have a wide body Urus. I have a 720S. I have a F8 Tributo. I have Holy a, crap. a Huracan Performante and a 1967 Fastback. Yeah, so I got a lot of cars. What a collection. Yeah, for try to get a variety, like American. European, you know, every brand as much as I get. I, if I had a hundred million dollars, I would have like $40 million in cars. That's a good collection. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I'm say, super yeah. proud of my collection. And like, it was just a way for me. I'm not like the average person that comes into money and like, is like, okay, well I got this much. I got to put this much here, put this much here, put it aside, get investment portfolios. I was just like, Oh, I'll, I just got to keep working and make more. And that was just my mindset. Has that changed at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I, yeah, and I, I learned to diversify and put it into, you know, like, and actually invest my money smartly. But I, it's the same thing where also, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't like debt. And I know that there's some people that are like this, and most people are not like this, and it's not the smart way to be. Mm -hmm. It's, like, fearing of debt. But, like, all my cars are paid off. Like, I don't do the loan thing. Like, I just don't like it. It bothers me. Like, I'd get a loan, and then i wait six months and pay it off the next day so that it would improve my credit. 
but I was just like, I don't like owing anyone. And but you have what? a mortgage, right? Yeah. But you have to have a mortgage, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Like most people don't pay off their houses. And there's so much yeah. more you can do with that money where that's like a lump sum. But like to me, I don't know. Like what instead of paying off a three hundred thousand dollar car, like you put the three hundred grand into what? Like real estate and buy yeah. another house and do an invest and but that's more time. Cause there's also like after owning a home, the reason I haven't gotten too into real estate outside of my personal house is like it's so much work. It's like unless you know what you're doing and you have a really good team, but then also I don't know how people trust people because I'm not a very trusting person because I had bad childhood, lost a lot of people, blah, blah, et cetera. Like I don't just trust someone to go run an Airbnb for me. It's just like, well, then I'm going to want to be hands on. But then how much of that is going into it versus how much is it rewarding me? That's kind of like yeah, the. It's not worth your time. No, yeah. but for some people it is. And it's a great business if that's what you're solely focused on. So I'm a very like all or nothing type of person. So I'm like, I'm either going to focus on this full time or I'm going to not waste my time on it. So yeah. it's like, that's where stock market, cryptocurrency, all that stuff's fun to me. Cause I look at it like a game and I can do it from my phone. But I mean, it's kind of like gambling to be honest too. Oh gosh. Let's, what are you let's buying talk about then? your yeah. portfolio. Sure. Where's all your money allocated percentage wise? Oh, you're not gonna like that answer. Uh, I'd say like 50% crypto, 50% stocks. Then you got money in cars. What about the cars? Oh, real oh, cars, real house, bank, stuff like that. But so, that's it. So if, if you're taking your entire value, like oh, network, oh, everything, what is it? Um, yeah. 40% invested. I'd say like 25% in the house. The house has gone up a lot or 20% in the sure. house. And then cars, 20, bank the rest. So it's like not not bad. It's not like I'm not like a it's terrible. Not terrible. No, but I should have. But it's also I buy good cars. So like most of my cars have made me money. They've all profited. Like they haven't lost me money. You never sold a car? No, I have. I've sold a bunch. Now might be a time to start selling off. Oh, no, I am. What other cars yeah. have you had well, that you've... Funny enough, the only cars I've lost money on are my Teslas. All three Teslas I had lost me money. Huh. Because they just hold terribly. Because hmm. they make a new one all the time. Yeah. And like, why would you buy a used Tesla when you go online and buy one in a week? I'm uh, surprised you don't have a Tesla right now. I hate them. I hate them Why? So why do you much. hate Tesla? That was... My, it, it wasn't my dream car. I always wanted supercars, but like dream car in like real like anyone can yeah, afford a Tesla if you realistically car. and I bought that Model 3 I had it for a couple months great car loved it but then like I got I got a Model X after that because I was dailying Tanner's GT3 RS in LA which is not a good idea it just doesn't not practical in any way so I was like shit I gotta get a normal car so I bought a Model X I had it for a week before I sold it like, I was like I can't do this thing the once it was like going electric again I couldn't do it and then I bought a Model S Plaid um, last year just couldn't do it. Everyone got car sick in the back. They all felt like throwing up because the regenerative braking build quality is terrible. Once you get into like higher end cars, I feel like you, once you get in like a Tesla, you're like the car and the concept and the technology is brilliant, but the actual build of them is terrible. Like door frames are misaligned, like sure. all this stuff. And, and I think, so I bought the model S I let my cousin use it to go to San Diego and the motors blew on him on the highway as he was driving down. So keep in mind, this car was a week old or two weeks old. That's crazy. You let <laughs> someone borrow normal. a week old plaid to drive down to. Oh, well, yeah. He was my cousin. I was just like, he needed to go home and I was like, you can use it. And he took it and it blew on him. So he was like stranded there. We had to get him back to LA. It was a whole shit show. And I bring it into Tesla. And I'm like, just give me a new one. It's got like 50 miles on it. They had the car for like nine weeks fixing it. Hmm. I was like, this car is a week old. You're not even gonna give me a loaner. This car is a week old. Like that makes no sense. Like Porsche would never do that. How to would you. they not give you a loaner? I don't know. 
They did to me. They they upgraded me. Oh, they did? Yeah. Well, it's also like I didn't need the car. Like I have other cars. Like I didn't need it, but the fact they didn't even offer it. Like I was like, I'm not going to go take a loaner from someone who doesn't have the option of another car. Yeah. But the fact they didn't even offer a loaner or just like if it was me, well, I guess it's not their choice, obviously. Yeah. But if it was me, like I would just give him a new car. If he bought it with 50 miles on it. Like why wouldn't you just get a new one delivered? And just take that one and go fix it. Like the motor shouldn't be blowing up on them. Would you get the Roadster or the Cybertruck? I have the Cybertruck pre-ordered. I have since the day it launched. Like Everyone four did. years ago. Yeah. Um, but the Roadster, maybe. I'm going to see how people react to it. Because the thing is, I got in the Plaid and I was like, oh my God, this is the fastest car I've ever been in. And I've been in a lot of supercars that are like crazy performance and all stuff. They don't compare to. Have you been in a Plaid? Yeah, uh, Model S Plaid. Yeah, it, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. It's like Your a roller eyes coaster. Just like roll. Yeah, back. it like shoots you back. Wild. Yeah, and it's great, but it still doesn't feel real. Like it still feels like a ride more than a car. And I don't like how smooth they are. Like I like, I like feeling like I can feel the road. And with those cars, like I would look down on the highway and be like, Holy shit, I'm going fast. Mm. Like way faster than I drive my other cars. Like I'd be at like one thirty on the freeway, and I was like, "This thing doesn't feel real. Like this is dangerous." And I, yeah, that car. I just, I don't think I could get the Roadster unless it was, unless it's really blows me away, which it could. But how do you top one point eight seconds on a Plaid? Like, what are you gonna do? Is it gonna go zero? One point seven. Probably it's gonna, probably gonna be like one point five. But I feel like they're gonna have to put a legal limit on that. There's yeah, a speed in which you'll you pass out. Like yeah. you do it in like under a second, I think people lose consciousness. Well, I'm sure that the government will come in and be like, yeah. hey, 1.5, that's it. You can't <laughs> like you can't have a car that goes zero to 60 in a second. Like yeah. they, someone could put that in front of a house <clears throat> and press on it and go missile. through the house. Right, like right. Yeah. That's too fast. Like that becomes like, well, I know cars are already dangerous, but like just being able to like park there yeah. and just shoot through <laughs> this house is like, that can't be. There's no way they're gonna let that happen. And also, what's the I feel like that takes away all the fun in it. But I don't know. What's the point? Yeah, what's right? the point yeah. going that quick? There's quick versus fast. Fast, I understand. The speed of getting going up and up and up and getting in a Bugatti and going 200 miles per hour, that's a cool thing on a track or whatever. But a Plaid is just like, yeah. You Dude, I think the new thing, instead of 0 to 60, is going to be 60 to 120. Yeah, maybe. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, like if, they upper can, if they can keep the 0 to 120 Dude. in like four seconds. Dude, imagine that's gonna 60 like, to 120 in two seconds. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, there's supercars that can do that. That are like quick, quick. Yeah. Like, cause the if I'm on the highway in the 720 and I'm at 60, it's quick. Like 60 to 150, quick. Really. But it's not zero. You'll slide. Like I'll slide if I'm in anything over or under third gear in the Ferrari or the McLaren. Mm-hmm. I'll just slide out. So, what was your process of buying the house? So from Hollywood to yeah, so I bought it with two of my friends at the time, and we each put in. I I believe I put in seven hundred thousand or six hundred something thousand, and they put in (coughs) four. And between the two of them, yeah. So we were all just like, "Hey, we're going in on this house." And then once they ended up moving out later, I was like, "Hey, well, do you want me to buy you out, or do you want to keep your investment in the property?" And they chose for me to buy them out, so I just paid them out instead of, and now it's just mine. But and how do you do that? You just so, get an appraisal? Was it, yeah. Was it at a new appraisal? No, it was at the original. Hmm. But they just wanted cash back like as quick as possible. So I was just like, hey, 
I'll pay you out okay. on that. I have no problem with that. Because at that time, the market was finicky, but I was like, I believe that it's going to go up, so I'm yeah. going to hold my investment. I would say, it. well, you know, it would be this, but then there's commissions and escrow charges, so uh, we'll take this um, and we'll, we'll minus 6%. Cost, if you really, if you think about it, though, it's like $150. If the market did crash, yeah. like it's gone up significantly for me, but if it did crash, I would have been fucked yeah. because 5% on a house to uh, real estate agents plus anything I had to fix or anything like that. Like I would have lost a lot of money, yeah. but it happened to go up. So it's like, I think real estate's pretty safe overall long-term, but you know, that's just me. But yeah, I bought the house. We, we did seller financing for the first year because none of us had good bank statements. Like we had good bank statements for a year and a half, but like who's going to trust that for the next five years? Um, so we seller financed at a high rate. It was like six to 7%. I think it was really high. And then I refinanced at the end of the year, knocked it back down. Once it was just me, I refinanced. And then now I'm selling it. You're selling it right now. Yeah. What's yeah, the asking? Seven, five. You think you're going to get it? Yeah. So is it on the market right now? Yeah. It seven, is. five? Yeah. Jesus. But yeah. it's 12,000 square feet. Yeah. Right? I didn't know yeah. it was that. Yeah. I didn't know it was that expensive. That yeah. nice though. I bought it for five, three years ago. And I know yeah, the jump seems crazy. Gonna, yeah, it seems well, crazy, but I bought it during COVID when no one was buying because everyone was scared. A everyone I knew was like in 2020, they were like, I'm not buying anything because it was still during lockdown, like still massive. <laughs> like everyone was just like, I'm not buying right now in LA or in the LA region because everything's going to go down. That was the thought so, process. So what's the goals in the current, like close future for you? You just want to sell this house. What yeah. about other business stuff that you want to be doing content? This house... I think I've just lived with so many people in it and it's like nothing towards any of the people like all love and respect towards everyone. But like I've lived with so many roommates in this house specifically. I think I've lived with over 25 people in the last couple of years. And it's just like, it doesn't feel like my home. Like even though sure. I bought it, even though I pay the bills every month, even though everything, it's just like feels like the hype house, not my house. I've lived in that for three plus years and I just want like, I want to buy a place. I want to set it up my way, the way I would, not for content, not for roommates, like my house, just like where every room has a value to me. Like I want to build a gym. I want to build a podcast room. Well, my girlfriend have an office. I want to have like all these specific things that I want in my house. Like I don't need a 10 bedroom house. I need like a three or four bedroom house, like a normal house. And it's just like, it doesn't feel like a home to me. So like, that's my immediate priority. I'm curious. What do you look for when it comes to TikTokers? Like who could be in the hype house? Like what qualities? I think it, it's changed over the years, um, but I, I can always sense when someone's about to take off. And I don't know if it's just, I'm sure maybe there's a lot of people out there that are like that, but I, I like know early on. It's hard to tell. Like just why? Like what you, about it? You can see the growth, the repetition on your For You page. I don't know. The community too. Yeah, you can huge. see the bond they have with their fans. Like I can just tell when things are working and... I've just kind of had that eye out for it for a while. And it helps that everyone who's come into Hype House ends up leaving with a lot more followers every single time. So that helps. But it, it what I've noticed is there's people who get views and there's people who have communities. And if you can do both, you'll be very, very successful because that's the best thing you can do is have a relationship with your audience. And Hype House has a good relationship with its fan base, which is interesting because it's an entity. It's yeah. weird. But whenever people come in, like our fans get so excited and it's, it's nice to see, like, it, it's cool that they've been so supportive over the past couple of years. Cause they, it's like nobody but me is in it from the first house. Like from when we first launched, you're the only person. I'm the only person. Like my girlfriend was there from the second, 
like from our uh, into the first house, but like towards the end. But nobody else has been in it. But whenever I add five new people and start posting, like the attention goes insane. Like the fan base gets excited and the edits go crazy. And it's just like really cool that even when it's brand new people, it's because kid they're bored. Like people out there are bored. So when you give them something to pay attention to, they get really excited because it's just something to focus on. Sure. And I think entertainment is, it'll always be there because people need a distraction from what's going on in life. And that's why I've always tried to just make entertaining stuff, whether it makes people laugh, whether people make fun of it, whether it makes them happy, whatever it is, it's like, at least we're entertaining to some level because things get boring really quick. How do you deal with some of the drama that comes along with it, though? That's a good question. Um, I hate it, personally. I don't like drama. I don't like bad blood. I try my best to stay neutral with everything and everybody. Um, but there's been times where it's been public drama and stuff like that. But I, I just I don't like it. And I'm also older now. Like I feel like drama comes when there's issues and then they get put online. And you're just like it's very easy to keep it offline, but obviously like I made mistakes in the past too and blasted people online and just didn't give a shit and stuff like that. But it's like, it's just immaturity. Like the older you get, you kind of just like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't care if it gains me more followers or whatever. It's like, I just don't want to talk about other people. I want to talk about myself and what I'm doing. Like, I just don't care. I'm very like, even if people have wronged me, I hope that they do well. Like I'm a very like, I just hope that you find happiness, success and all that stuff. Like I just want, everyone to learn on their own and even if they've done bad things to me i think the life always comes full circle where it's like you'll figure it out eventually or like you'll end up focusing on yourself and things will get better for you and like that's all i really care about just i don't have time for drama and i don't like i don't have energy for it it's very draining and what's going to happen to the hype house once you sell the hype house and you just buy a personal residence there's options for it but my one i'm leaning towards is adding people from all over the country that don't live in the same house so just using it as a place because I, I want to, I really respect what Dave Portnoy has done with Barstool and Hype House is such a big name. Like a lot of people know the name Hype House, yes. whether they hate it or love it, whatever it may be. Most people hate it, but <laughs> it's got a lot of attention on it. And I want to use that to blow people up in a different way. Like instead of just gaining followers and doing TikTok trends and all that, like I want to take people who have a podcast and use it as a way to blow up their podcast through Hype House, through posting clips on Hype House instead of just their personals. So it's like using it as a utility for a group of people in that. And that that's what I want to pivot the like um, the direction of it. That'd be interesting. So kind yeah. of like a promotion type thing? Kind of, but they're all a part of a collective. And if we are together, we can film together and stuff like that. So, But I just think it's been very limited by one house for so long. And I've thought about investing into other houses and do all that. But it's just, it's a, it's a net negative yeah. business. Why it's not a, sell it? It seems like you get a good offer from like somebody to take over the hype house. Or is it more about you? I mean, if I got a good offer, yeah. I probably would. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone has a price yeah if anyone wants like, to buy it yeah hit me up um no i mean i actually have had that conversation once um but it, it mainly came into what if someone took it over and then like went because if i sell it it's not my problem anymore or anything like that like what if they go sign a bunch of talent take 25 percent of what they make say they're gonna blow them up through there and then what if they don't know how what if they don't know how to actually help them like what if they just fuck them over and then it's like, even if it's not my problem because I sold it, I'd still feel like. Right. It's hard to like your name a little bit. Be like, bit. well, I yeah. helped with that. And then they fucked all these people over. So it's like, I'd rather just try to figure out a way to do it myself. And it's such a big thing still. Like, even though 
it's not the same as it was years ago and it's not the same like <clears throat> hype level and all that. It's just, I want to create something new. The for you page is very designed to the viewer. So it's like, if I took people from anywhere, it'll just hit our fans plus their fans. So it just continues to build their reputation. So that's a tool that could be used for people, but I just want to find more people that are willing to put in work to do more than just TikTok or more than just like social media. Like I want to find people that want to do bigger things with their careers overall. That's kind of like where the direction I'm going yeah. is. Where do you think the direction is going for a lot of these TikTokers right now? Most people just turn to Snapchat because of that revenue. I don't know if you guys are on there, but I yeah. think most people pivoted away from TikTok right now. Um, I don't know if TikTok is going to figure their shit out or if they're not, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going great for them. But that's just my personal opinion. I love the app and everything it's done for me and Hype House and all the people and everything, but there's not much opportunity on it. Like you can hit people through clips for you long form. I'd say that's the most useful thing that's changed over the past couple of years. But as just a short form creator, it doesn't really make sense. Like putting all your energy into it, there's not as much of a return on investment anymore. Where back in the day, like you could put a bunch of work in and it would gain you on Instagram, YouTube, all that. You don't really yeah. gain off of TikTok anymore. It's like good for people like you guys to post your clips on because then it blows up the podcast, leads <coughs> to more revenue, etc. But for short form creators, like everyone gets millions of views now. And now the brands, the my one pet peeve I have with TikTok is that when you get a brand deal, they completely mute it out. Like you could be getting a 5 million view average and then you post a brand deal, it gets 50,000 views. Yeah, and why is that? Is it because you have to select paid? It's because they want, If this is my guess, but I would guess that it's because TikTok wants the brand to pay for paid advertisement so they can make money. So... Because like then you, yeah. everyone boosts the videos now. Like when you get a brand deal, they boost it to millions of people. But that's how TikTok makes money. If they don't have that, how else do they make money off your brand deals? Right. So it makes sense in theory, but then you start realizing like you're kind of screwing over the creators that are that have helped develop your platform. Because without, I think that the way that you make a platform successful is you give people the opportunity to become famous. Like, I think that's what happened with Vine. I think that's what happened musically. I think that's what happened with TikTok. It's like, I think Hype House and like the people in it and Charlie and all these people really helped TikTok solidify itself. Like, I think without those creators, less people would have wanted to be TikTokers. Because mm -hmm. it's like they saw all these people, these guys and girls becoming famous for quote unquote nothing. Like whether it was dances or trends or whatever it might be. I feel like that gives people hope in a platform that they could be that. So it's like you, you see people like that blow up and you're like, I, if I put work in, yeah. I could do what they did. But right now there's like none of that. It's more like if I develop a podcast and post clips, I'll be able to transfer the views over to YouTube. It's not, I'm going to make so much on TikTok or like I'm going to build a career off TikTok or I'm going to become famous off mm -hmm. TikTok. So I don't know. The, plat the platform's strange right now. I feel like especially when you use your TikTok to leverage other yeah. career paths, like, like how people become musicians. Like we've seen that so oh, much from TikTok. That's a lot more common. Yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or people just becoming mainstream celebrities, like yeah. going to red carpets and stuff like that and hanging out with the Kardashians and whatnot. It's like, okay, like you're yeah, really a mainstream celebrity at that point. But if you view it as like they started off TikTok, that's such an inspiration for so many people out there. Mm -hmm. It's the same way that I viewed at Casey Neistat when I started YouTube at 16, as I was like, this guy is just a dude in New York with a camera, mm -hmm. like chasing his dream of being a videographer and starting a business and all this. It made me feel like I want to be a YouTuber when I'm older. And... Yeah. That hope was what was there for TikTokers in 2019 to 2020, 21. And now I feel like I don't, I just, I don't know if 
I don't, I'm not educated on it, but I don't know if 16 year olds out there now are like, I want to be a TikToker. Like, I don't know if well, there's no, there's no true money like in TikTok. That's what too, I'm saying. Because like the yeah. promotions and everything, if they're just continually getting stifled, no, no company is going to exactly. allocate a marketing budget towards TikTokers. So then you can't like flaunt all of your TikTok wealth and therefore, you know, people wouldn't be very exactly. interested in doing it. So it's like everyone knows YouTube works, but YouTube's now more of a, I'd say YouTube's more of a, what's the word for it? Like a science. No, no, no. Like, like Nickelodeon, a network. Oh, YouTube yeah. is very much like a network now. You have to have a overview of what you want to do. It's not very like old YouTube is like set your camera up and film some funny shit and post it. New YouTube is like develop a show idea or develop. Oh, it's very a, corporate. Very corporate. Like. Yeah. Which works, but it also has lost that. Like I want to be a YouTuber. So I, I feel like right now there's like nothing. Like, I feel like there's no, I want to be a YouTuber, a TikToker, Instagram person. Like, I feel like all the platforms have become very analytical and become very soulless. Like I feel I, like it went yeah, from a yeah. from an art, like a creative outlet into a science. Or to a business. Really. Into a, Which, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing it's, that sucks is like, I love business and I love negotiating brand deals for myself. And I love the agency side for myself. It's really fun. I love growing on social media and treating the analytics side like a game and like all that. I love that part. But I think the whole genuineness to social media is supposed to be just like put your phone up and film. And I think that's why I love when people like Keith Lee blow up because he like in my book deserves it because he's just honest and like puts his phone up and films something genuine. And I'm just like, I want the platforms to go back to that. Not like one person who gets that every two years like a bunch of people. Like, I feel like it's just kind of like one person at a time now on TikTok where it used to be everyone, but it's also so oversaturated. It's like how many people can do the same thing and then how like not everyone can blow up for the same thing. Yeah. The difference was when we were on TikTok and like it was actually when it was first blowing up and all that, if you looked at a trending sound, you would see all of your friends as the top 20. Like when I would click it, I would be like, oh shit, they did that sound. They did that sound. They mm. did that sound. All of my people or like all of my friends in my network were under the same sound because that was just such a small niche amount of people on TikTok. Now, if a dance goes viral, it's like millions of people doing the exact same thing. So it's like, how are you going to pick one person to blow up out of that? It doesn't really make sense. A lot of people that start from somewhere, like when you're just a group of friends hanging out and you blow up, everyone wants to maintain that as they build their following. But in reality, you're not going to live that same life because it's impossible. You live in an apartment and you go viral in an apartment filming with your friends and then you guys make money and you move into a house. It doesn't make you any less of what you were doing. Like that's the whole point of it. So when I bought my first car, when I did all this, like I filmed it all and it wasn't like people viewed it as like, oh, you're trying to be cocky or flaunt or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm just bringing you along the journey and I bring you along the bad times too. And it's like, that's just life. Like that's how you create a more special bond with your audience. It's like, I'm not the perfect person at this, but you know, a lot of people do that. And I feel like someone like Keith Lee, I don't like bringing him up a bunch, but like, he's great though. No, he is great. Yeah. And, and he does such a good job at, he connects with his audience. Like when he moved out of his place, he made it a very heartfelt thing that like that place was where he started in this. And now he can afford to bring his family to something better, but no one hates on him for that. Like people get scared of like posting their success. 
And I understand because there's a lot of negative. They're going to hate on him when he moves into that 13 bedroom mansion. Exactly. It's it's got to get to a point where it's yeah, like when too it's so unrealistic. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you're just like you keep it real, and you're going to have those supporters. You'll always have haters. Everyone will always have haters. But if you keep it very real with your fans throughout your time, like they'll connect with you a lot more than other people. And I know a lot of people that put on a very big facade for social media, and they're just very different people. And it always ends up being tiring. Like at some point you're just like, I'm putting on a fake face. It's like, that's why when I'm depressed or have issues, like I just don't post on YouTube. Like I'm not going to sit there and smile and pretend that everything's great when it's not. It's just like, I'd rather take a break yeah, because that's just what I need. And like, I know that that's not great for analytics or career or whatever, but that's where you're just looking. It's like, I'm not even putting out good stuff if I'm not feeling good or if I'm going through something that sucks. Like, I'm just going to take a break. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's uh, what David Dobrik did super well because, like, he initially started out in an apartment and then just slowly, like, he got the nicer house and then he got, like, the mansion. But, like, his fans were with him the entire way. Yeah. I think a lot of times people don't realize how much money you make. And so they're like, wait a second, he's doing that well. He's making money off me. What? I think a lot of people. I think that was one of the... One of the roughest things, though, it was just like really, it sucks when you have to say no to people. Because like I'm the type of person where like I take every photo, every human that has asked me in public, take a photo with, beyond grateful that they even know who I am. But at the second house, when like I'm pulling my car out and I have to go to a meeting and like there's nine people knocking on my windows and then the moms are like, we made you. I'm like, you're at my fucking house. You psychopath. Like, you're at my house. <clears throat> you crazy bitch of a mom. Take your kid away from my house. You like you have to be delusional to bring someone to someone's private residence and wait outside for eight hours. They wait outside for eight hours? Oh, my God. No, every second. If we would leave at five in the morning, there'd be people there. And it was just like the fact that they were sitting out there like, you wouldn't have any of these without us. And I'm like, I didn't say that. They would say that? Oh, yeah. The moms were crazy. But it's just like, who are you to like show up to someone's house? And like, we tried to take photos, but then it became... Uh, right then it's expected no then no you just oh you go to the house and they take photos with you yep not only that the police were upset with us because the, the road got shut down from so many cars it's like there's so many issues that came up from that that we weren't even allowed to take pictures anymore and then once we told people that they were like yeah you're full of shit and i was like no we literally like are we are going to get evicted because of this so it was just like it was just getting worse and worse but people just they feel Someone uh, told me this recently who it was like a manager friend of mine that worked with celebrities and influencers. And he was saying it's very interesting to see the difference between how people treat influencers in public versus celebrities. Like he was just like, oh, I, I, you know, I'll be out at dinner with blank major celebrity, like major comedian. He'd be like, People might recognize them, but they have the respect to like stay away from them. Where he's like, when I'm out with my influencer mm-hmm. clients, like anyone feels like it's free game at a restaurant to come up and be like, Hey, selfie it's real quick. It's like, you know, the person. Yeah. Right? It's like, you're, you know? it's not like, Oh, that's that actor <clears throat> where you get very reserved and you're like, yeah. Oh, that's that famous actor. Like if you, someone saw Tom Holland at a cafe, they're like, Oh my God, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. And they like freak out. And then that's it. Where when they see an influencer, they're like, Oh my God, it's this person from yeah. the hype. I'm going to go take a picture with them. But it's like the respect part goes out the window, which I get just influencers. I get that whole perspective, but it's like, that also gets irritating when you're like out and that's just the way people just expect it. And then when they get to the point where like they're at your house and then they're demanding it and you're just like, just give me a little space. Like maybe don't come to my house. Maybe please. (laughs) That's crazy that you actually got 
nearly evicted. Yeah, we had many, many break-ins per house. That's yeah. supposed to be your one space. Mm-hmm. And like they would try to come in the garage when it was shutting. They would try you to get like, a higher security though. I think we did at one yeah. point. Um, yeah, we had security at one point. That was that house was crazy. You're really good at storytelling. Yeah, dude. I think you great be talk. Really good on a podcast. That's why, oh. I, like, especially now, I'm like doubly excited for you to start one. Oh, really? Yeah. I've always wanted to. I think it's just the two. Like everyone goes the podcast route, and then they go the like all especially TikTokers and YouTubers stuff. They always go like the drama route. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Like I yeah. want to talk to intellectual people, and yeah. I want to. I want to learn something when I'm talking. So you want to have guests on every yeah, episode? Yeah, guests on every episode. Yeah. I want. I don't care if they're famous or not, or as long as they have something to bring to the conversation. Yeah. Like, I love Joe Rogan's podcast. I love Jordan Peterson's Lex podcast. I don't watch Lex's, but I should. Wow. Yeah. I, I love Lex Friedman. They're, they're just Great. all like, I like when people bring other people on and they learn new things and you're running a good podcast. You have to be like <laughs> humble enough to listen to new perspectives and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And it's just like, I want to do that and I want to feel like I'm growing all the time as a person and I want to be surrounded by people doing better than me. And that's, that's something really important. I feel like a lot of people don't understand you are who you're surrounded by. And I think that's probably the biggest, like if there's anyone out there watching, that's like, Hey, what's the advice that I could give to make money? I'd say, forget all the analytical things for a second. Who are you surrounded by? Cause if you're around a bunch of broke people that don't work and that get high all day and watch movies, you're not going anywhere. It's just like it's not going to happen. The more you're around other people who have that same mindset, you guys will figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Like I, that, I think that's the most important thing is your surroundings. Couldn't agree more to that. I had a yeah. close old friend that I haven't really been hanging out with recently call me and she was like really struggling, like in shambles and everything. And she was like, what do I do? Like, do you have some advice? And I was like, yeah, like just stop being friends with every single person you're friends with right now and go find like a new friend group that is in the direction you want to go in life. Yeah. I know that sounds so it's aggressive. It's abrupt. Yeah, it, but it like, sounds fucked up, but it's also like you need good people around you to elevate yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're not making a lot of money, go make some friends that are making more money and they will teach you or you will learn how they're doing it. Or you'll see their mannerisms that change and all this stuff. It's like, you can't just expect to grow sitting in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's, that would be a big piece of advice for people. And it sounds, I've cut off so many bad people in my life that I'm just like, if I'm around you and I don't feel like we're benefiting off each other emotionally, um, career-wise, whatever it may be, if there is no, like, wow, we're not building each other up, there's no point in being in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've had to do with family, and a lot of people are incapable of doing that, which I understand. But it's also just like, you gotta, you only live so long you got to live a good life and a happy life and be surrounded by people you enjoy their company and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's very important to me. What's your biggest insecurity? My eczema, probably. Really? Yeah. I hate it. I'm not going to be one to downplay <laughs> other people's insecurities. That's not going to be me. But I also think, yay. It could be a better one. Um, no, no, I don't <laughs> think that that's... I'm not, it I, could I'm be not, a better I'm insecurity. Just, I'm just... Think a, yeah, that's... that. Yeah. I think, yeah. I've like... Because you can see it on my hands. I don't really care about my hands. But as a kid... Oof, like insides of my legs, arms. I always wore sweaters and, and jeans and everything every day, even if it was 100 degrees out, no shorts. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. It's just embarrassing. Like is your whole legs itchy are... Or? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Okay. I wouldn't wish eczema on So how do, you, how do you fix it? There is no fix. It's just a lifelong thing. There's not a pill. There's not like a there's steroid. Steroids there's steroids you can take. Yeah, but you don't want to take steroids. No, like my dad, my dad has eczema too really bad, and like he's done everything. Steroid shots, um, steroid ointments, everything. And he still has it at in his 60s and or late 50s, um, mm. but he still has it 
not as bad as me, but like pretty close for doing everything right. And like all the medical things, right. It's like, it still comes back still. So you're still going to have to deal with it at some point. So I'd rather just take the more like holistic route and that might sound dumb, but like he's had cataracts twice because of the steroids. It's like they, they thin everything. So it's like, if you put, if you put, um, like steroid creams on this, it'll just thin the skin out. It'll heal it, but it'll thin the skin out. Then you get that paper thin skin. You like old people have like all the, all the veins through. That's what happens. So I'm just like, I'd rather just find a natural way or just live with it, Mm -hmm. but it does suck. What do you think is the biggest problem with humanity or the biggest threat to humanity? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not educated enough to say threat, um, but I don't like the current mindset of America. As far as? I don't like how divisive everyone is and I don't like how everything's set in stone. Like if you have one opinion, you're evil or if you have another opinion, you're a saint. It's just like, I don't know. I don't like the way that everything is so, if you think this, you are this. And if you think this, you're this. It's just like, there's kind of no open conversation anymore. And I don't like the way that that is right now. And the media is very divisive and all this stuff. It's just like, I, I don't like it. I feel like I feel everyone's like social media right now, though, is it pushes no, yeah. extremes on both ends. Yeah. And then you like, see, you could fall into a loophole of just being fed mm. propaganda on, on both sides of political, everything like religious, why like you can just like fall into a rabbit hole and it just keeps feeding you. Cause like all these platforms are good at feeding you what you want. So if you want to see something extreme, you're mm-hmm. going to keep seeing something extreme. And it's what people like, engage with as well. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. But and it makes sense from a, algorithm perspective but then you're like what are you doing to these people though like think about it from a human perspective i agree i think like there's really bad intolerance yeah everybody of the other side with and, regards to everything yeah. then it goes with everything it's like there's these kids <clears throat> out there who watch tiktok all day that get on the work side of tiktok that's like the grind harder work harder do this and it's like i agree i agree with all those things i promote those things but also like sitting there listening to motivational edits all day of you need to work harder if you don't know what you're doing there's nothing you could like, it, it just gets that those kids end up in the same spot where they're like, I watch this all day and I want to work all day, but I haven't even taken a step in the right direction. Cause I'm so busy being like, I got to work 12 hours a day or I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. It's like, what's making it mean? Like, what, what do you really want? Do you want money? Is that the end all be all goal? Cause you're not going to build most likely just off of financial. Like I want to be a millionaire. It's like everyone does. What do you want to do? What impact do you want to make? What career do you want to have? What What is the thing? But like people are so focused on the finance. Like I want to make money or I want to do this or I want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. It's like, why? Like I know why I want to buy a house. I've n- I didn't have a stable house growing up. So owning my own home was a big step for me because I was like, this is mine. I no one can, I can't leave. No one can kick me out. No one can do this. Like that's why I want a stable home. So I bought it. And it's like, that was my intention. When I started at Hype House, there was no, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to do this. It was just genuine. And then it led to an Mm -hmm. opportunity to make money through growing on social media and all that. But if you so focused on like, oh, I got to make money doing this. Are you going to do it? If you're so focused on like, I want to meet the perfect girlfriend or perfect boyfriend. Is that going to happen? If that's all you think about? No. It's going to happen when you least expect it. So it's just like. I agree. I think like real wealth isn't something you really pursue, but it's something more that ensues. Like it just kind of comes as a byproduct to something else. Well, and you notice like all these I don't know how true this is, but you notice that a lot of these people like Elon Musk who's unbelievably successful. It's like he kind of gambled everything back on another business once he made Multiple money. Multiple times. Multiple yeah. times. Like that's insanity from any logical person's perspective, but he's clearly passionate about what he does. It's like, didn't he pull out so much money to buy Twitter? It's mm-hmm. like, was yeah. that a logical decision 
Or was that just what he felt was the right thing to do for him? That mm. seemed impulsive to me. That's what I'm saying. So it's like that's just seemed like on a whim. It's like I'm going to do it. And he's I like, oh, doubt crap. he did that impulsively. It I bet it was like very it was. calculated. But I also I obviously so. it wasn't the smart business decision. Like he tried to get out of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and yeah, they they yeah, yeah. And they didn't want to sell it to him initially, yeah. which was a funny thing. And he's like, "No, please let me buy it." And then he starts getting in contracts. Like, I, I want to back out. No, you yeah. can't now. I just, think I think that, as soon as they say yes, he's like, "Well, actually, yeah." If they yeah. kept saying no, he'd be like, "No, I still yeah. want yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that. But I, I just look at people like that, and I'm like, he's someone I look up to, entrepreneur-wise. And I'm just like, well, if he's willing to gamble at all. Like you kind of got to do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I tell everyone this too, when you're young, you don't really have anything to lose. It's like, that was my thought when I started Hype House in 2020 or 2019. I don't know how much money I had in my bank account, maybe like 20 grand, but I spent every dollar. Yeah. But I was like, what am I going to lose? Like, oh, I'm going to be 21 with 20 grand or I'm going to be 21 with a thousand dollars. It's the same shit. Like you're not really going to change your life with 20 grand. Like maybe... If you're really smart. So you could buy a chain with that. Yeah. <laughs> or a cat. Yeah, or one cat. Yeah, you can make bad decisions <laughs> with that. Don't, I don't advise buying Savannah cats, but they are great. Um, but yeah, no, it's like you kind of got to go all in on yourself and believe in yourself and maybe it'll work. If you believe hard enough, you might get a chance at success. But mm-hmm. it's like, look, you got on here through trying something, right? Mm-hmm. And Seven emails in a row. But it's like it worked. Yeah. But if you didn't try. True. It's just like you got to try something. Got to go yeah. all in on something and maybe it'll work for you. Like Great. Cool. That was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for <laughs> Thank being you. generous with your time. Thanks we really appreciate me. it. If there's anything you want to shout out, go ahead. This podcast. There shout we go. This Subscribe. Hit the like button. All of your stuff will be left down below in the description. Thanks. And until next time. See you guys. Cool. Thank you fantastic. so much, man. Of course.